Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Crothy. And I'm Halls Burkhart and Buddy. Episode 52. That's a year of high potion. Uh, without a break. That's a year. A fucking year, man. That shit went by real quick, didn't it? It sure did. Yeah. We thought we were done with the pandemic, then we weren't. <sighs> man. That's something I learned uh, doing Blue Harvest with Will, right? Is having that sort of weekly scheduled thing and just having this thing that you constantly produce and release um kind of makes things seem like they go by real quick something about it yeah i can totally see that i mean it really doesn't seem like we've been recording for a year i know it feels like we've been doing it for a couple of months (laughs) yep we started in may we started recording in may of 2021 2021 (laughs) And uh, it was like, like you got your second dose of the vaccine. And then as soon as your wait period was up, you were there that next weekend. It was like I mentioned earlier, uh, it was the weekend after um, Will and I did the episode 300 stream for Blue Harvest. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that. And then we got some recorded. We, you know, we had our plan of like banking episodes, so we didn't have to sit down and record every week, um, you know, with uh, our different schedules and stuff. And then we started releasing them the first week in June, I think. Mm-hmm. I when, think so. Yeah, yeah, when we started putting out <laughs> our first episodes, and here we are. Got to say, buddy, thank you for the commitment. Um, I would not have been able to hit a, a year of not missing an episode without you. Man, it's, it's, uh, you don't have to thank me, man. Thank you for uh, having the stones to do another podcast. You know what I mean? I know your time is precious, and I know it's fun for both of us to talk about fighting games, but dang, a year straight, no breaks. No, That's something to be proud of. No breaks. Yeah, man, we did it. Um, so next week we won't be doing an episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How fucked up would that be? <laughs> so I was like, we earned it. <laughs> we're taking a break. No, we'll, we'll be having an episode next week. So buddy, the, the topic of this week, um, instead of just us sitting here 
give uh, 69 in each other for <laughs> recording 52 <laughs> podcasts. Um, the topic for this week is the Nintendo 64. And we're going to con- uh, continue on. The turd, the turd and the old punch bowl of video game, of video game 90s. Yeah. <laughs> 90s video game. Yeah. We're, listen, guys. <clears throat> we will give the Nintendo 64 its due praise. But of all the consoles we've covered so far... I think the Nintendo 64 is going to take the most lumps, deservedly so. Yeah, <laughs> it is, I, um, I've got some, I've got some opinions about that console. I can only imagine that the Wii U and the Virtual Boy are lower on the Nintendo release <laughs> tier list. Like, it's not the worst console Nintendo's ever released, but it's in the bottom three. I think for me personally, it's, it's their worst big console release. I think maybe the Wii U could be argued that that was, <clears throat> that was possibly bigger. I think the Wii U was probably at least a bigger failure financially and sales wise. Um, Makes sense. But yeah, there was just some real questionable decisions to begin with with it you know yeah. um do you have any any setup for it like did you do any oh buddy what year did it come out so it was released in japan of june in june of 1996 and in america in september of 1996 um okay did you ever own a nintendo 64 nope Never nope. did. You know, so you were so you went and played Nintendo sixty four at friends' houses or and things like that. Right. Yeah. I I had a um a friend in the neighborhood who had one and then when I was in college, which ninety six I was on break mm-hmm. from college and then went back in ninety seven and of course one of the roommates had <clears throat> a sixty four and that's gonna be like the bulk of my positive N sixty four memories is that period in 97 early like 97 with goldeneye and mario kart we'll get to that right um so um (coughs) the nintendo 64 like i said launched in september of 96 here in um america i don't know if i personally knew anybody that had it at launch because I would have been like what 13 at the time um and you know I have talked about before how like after the Sega Genesis my parents are like it's stupid that they bring new systems out and you can't play your old games on them and stuff we're not getting you any more of these this is stupid um there was a for some fucking reason I'm not sure why a exception to that rule which was the nintendo 64 which i didn't even ask for it wasn't like i didn't want one i just knew don't ask for that shit they said it ain't gonna happen right Mm -hmm. Um, because the big thing for me personally with the nintendo 64 sure super mario 64 looked really fucking cool um but it was shadows of the empire shadows of the empire in 1996 was the closest thing I had to that point to a new Star Wars movie, right? Because mm-hmm. it was this big, like, across all different medias, um, 
storytelling event that was going to bridge the gap in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And there was the game. There were new figures. There were comics. There was a book, a soundtrack. They did all this crazy tie-in stuff. And, buddy, I needed to play this game. To the point where I... Oh, that makes a ton of sense, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To the point where I... I mean, just, just... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, to the point where I was considering renting a Nintendo 64 from Blockbuster. Because this was still back in the day when you could rent video game systems, right? <clears throat> um, and one day, my dad and I were at the barber, right? And I'm sitting in the chair getting my hair cut, and it's probably early December, right? And the barber's mm-hmm. like, so what'd you ask for for Christmas? And I was like... Oh, I don't know. And, you know, a few, probably some Star Wars shit is what I said. I don't know. And my dad goes, well, what he probably really wants is that new Nintendo. And I was like, well, that ain't going to happen. And like, it didn't even dawn on me that my dad was dropping like a serious Christmas hint at that point. And sure enough, that's what I got for Christmas was the Nintendo 64 and Mario 64. They were sold out of Star Wars shadows of the empire wherever my parents looked well so did you do anything particularly noteworthy that year to make your parents possibly want to surprise you with that can you remember um let's see 1996 buddy not that i can remember like Hmm. Uh, you know, I was never a particularly strong student in school, so it wasn't like, damn, this this motherfucker had all A's. Like, I was a okay <laughs> student. I wasn't also, like, you know, bringing home F's on my report cards. But there might be a C or two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There might be a C in math. Yeah, it usually was in. for me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, no, I can't even remember. It might have been one of those things where my sister got some sort of significant gift for Christmas and they were like, well, how do we balance the scales? Well, I hear there's a That's new really Nintendo. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, whenever they know the kid loves video games, just like, well, there's a new system. Yeah. And it, like, it <laughs> how was, much, how much did those retail for to start? Um, let's do you remember? see. I have the information. I want to say it was maybe, um, okay. It was originally intended to be priced at two fifty. The console okay. was ultimately launched at one ninety nine ninety nine to make it competitive with the Sony and Sega offerings. Okay, so okay. it was two hundred bucks. Cool, cool. Dang, can two hundred you... bucks is always my starting guess because I feel like that's what the Super Nintendo was when it came out was two hundred. Yeah, yeah, and for, so, some for them to reason, keep the price point pretty good. Um, and for some reason, I have this in my mind that like knowing that the NES cost a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I wish I knew where that came from, but I just remember like being around kids and then being like, Hey, you got a Nintendo. That shit cost a hundred dollars. That seemed like more (laughs) money in the fucking world. Right. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. This is something I like to do. I like to use the inflation calendar calculator and see how much that $200 system would have been in today's dollars. Right. Cause I was going to, what I was going to say is, can you imagine if we got our Xbox series X's and PlayStation fives for $200? She be nice. Would have been nice. So that same item at a one ninety nine ninety nine today, 
even still, this is not bad, would cost $368.51. Okay. So, you know, around Nintendo prices, I guess. Because, like, for the longest time, the Switch was 300 bucks, right? I think maybe the Switch OLED is 350 So, mm-hmm. kind of in line with what Nintendo did. So, I mentioned it, right, when we're talking about the price, how they were... The thing to keep in mind about the Nintendo 64, like, historically, is that they were competing with the Sony PlayStation and the Sega Saturn, right? Mm -hmm. Two disc-based optical media systems. And Nintendo decided, nah, man, we're going to stick with cartridges. And I think that is the first big mistake that leads to the lack of quality games on the Nintendo 64 was choosing cartridges over discs. Yeah, it was definitely a mistake. <laughs> um, discs were the were the future at that point. You know, you could just store things so much better. I mean, cartridges had advantages over discs. You know, the loading times, you don't have those with cartridges. Right. But, you know, at the same time, you're just so much more limited with what you can do. You yeah. know, the load times were... Would, what would lead to better games ultimately would push the industry outward um, and upward. And like my uncle at the time was the district manager of um, Blockbuster for like Northern Mississippi or some shit. I don't know. And I remember talking to him because I would go to Blockbuster to rent, you know, because uh, this was the first, I got this before I got my PlayStation, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I definitely got this before I had my PlayStation. Um, I would go uh, rent Sega Genesis games or whatever at Blockbuster, and I would talk to my uncle if he was there. And, like, it would just be weird because, like, my dad or my mom would pull up into the Blockbuster parking lot, right? And they would be like, go in and rent whatever you want. And they would just sit outside and chain smoke Doral 100s in the car (laughs) in my dad's Ford Taurus. You know, so like this kid would just come in the blockbuster and start chatting up their district manager and all the employees would be like, who the fuck is this little monster? (laughs) (laughs) And and like as a as a result, like if I rented a movie, right, if it was a rated R movie, because I was always trying to rent horror movies and stuff, the the employees would be like, he's Dennis's nephew don't don't worry about it just let him rent it it's not a big deal yeah <laughs> um it's special permission and i tell all this stupid story this long stupid story to say i remember my uncle being like i can't wait for the nintendo 64 because they had a massive problem with people scratching saturn and playstation discs uh-huh. and he was like you can't scratch a cartridge So I remember him being, you know, as someone that sort of worked in, I guess you would say, like a retail environment that was dealing with those things, he was stoked about cartridges for that. Right. Um, Makes sense. You want to know the launch lineup? The U.S. launch lineup for the Nintendo 64 was Super Mario 64 and Pilot Wings 64. Two games. Okay, pretty light. Two games. I mean... To be fair, Super Mario 64 is probably one of the best games of all time. Look, I'm so, and Pilot Wings 64 is no slouch either. It's a it's really not fun that bad, game. yeah. So, like, it's two strong games. And, like, look, 
this was a much different day where you're not looking at, you know, dozens of digital games on your console exactly. uh, yep. or, uh, you know, you didn't, at least no kid I knew had a video game collection like I have both physically and digitally. I didn't know anybody with that many video games as a kid, whether right. they be an adult or a kid. So you it, not hating on it, but I just wanted to like, it seems like people really always complain about the launch lineup when a new system's coming out. They're like, oh, there's only this. Guys, the Nintendo 64 had two, two launch games. Yeah, it's it's always launch launch to uh, launches are always rocky. You know, there, there's usually if there's multiple games, there's you're getting mixed quality big time probably in those in those titles. There's going to be a couple real stinkers. Yeah in there you might get one good good one just the way it goes even these days you know absolutely back then's no different um so super mario 64 by the way the best selling game on the system with uh almost 12 million copies sold um so that's great game great game like (laughs) it is it is hard to um really drive home what a home run that game was the first 3d mario like because once again i think we should remind folks like super mario brothers the classic right super mario 2 at least the u.s version underrated classic but great game super mario 3 the masterpiece of the trilogy on the the nintendo the original Nintendo Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo, an amazing game. So it's the next game in this line of incredible games, and it could have been shitty with the transition. Luckily, it was not. <laughs> no, it was not. It was not shitty. It was great, and the same cannot be said for a lot of the uh, franchises that attempt to transition to 3D, uh, specifically on the Nintendo 64. So the fact that they were able to pull that off, that it was a huge game, a huge game, um, it was pretty impressive. And it makes sense that it is um, the best-selling game on the system and that it's constantly Um, Mm re-released on different Nintendo systems. Uh, I mean, I just remember the the fact that they would basically just let you loose in a level Mm -hmm. and give you all these different things that you kind of had to do different objectives, right? The objectives. And man, I love that. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. And I love trying to find like the hidden stars. This was the first (sighs) game, right? That I ever, like if there were achievements like Xbox achievements or PlayStation trophies, this would have been the first game I ever platinumed. Like, I got all the stars, you know, all that stuff. And it took forever to the point where, and this, I think this is an interesting sort of historical marker too. The Nintendo 64, at least for me, is right around the time I really started noticing video game content online, like on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it was all centered around a site called n64.com which later became IGN. Um, And I remember going there 
Like I would go out into the living room on the family computer and I would pull up their Super Mario 64 guide and see where like how to, you know, get this one hidden star I couldn't find in a level. Run back into my room and try to remember the information <laughs> that I just read. It was a mess. And this is on dial-up. So th- it's not like it was a quick Google on your phone situation. Right, right. Yeah, we're still in the Stone Age as far as the internet goes. Now, the planned um, launch titles mostly got delayed. So like I said, we got Super Mario 64 and Pilot Wing 64. Planned for launch were Cruising USA, which was delayed due to content issues, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, which was delayed. It was um, pretty late, too. Like, I think they were kind of expecting it to be a launch title, and then it got delayed last uh, minute. Um, Tetrisphere was delayed. Turok Dinosaur Hunter was delayed. And Wave 64 were delayed. Now, on that list, buddy, if that was the real launch lineup, that honestly would have been pretty killer if that had actually, like... Because did you ever fuck around with Wave Race 64? Never played that one. But I definitely fucked around with uh, Turok Dinosaur Hunter, which we can talk about a little later. Yeah. You liked Wave Runners, though. Man, Wave Race was the second game I ever rented for the 64 because, of course, I had to rent Shadows of the Empire first. Um, Wave Race 64 is such a fun, arcadey racing game where you're racing on like jet skis and shit and you can there's ramps and all this crazy shit it's so good and like i remember being blown away by like the water in the game because this is my first 3d console right and uh wave race like as we go through i i argue that there's maybe like if you were going to get a 60 a Nintendo 64 today in every good game, every game you wanted, there would probably be 20 games tops and then five of those games you would play once and never pick up again. <laughs> um uh did you ever play Sh- Star Wars Shadows of the Empire? Um yes, but not much. My friend had it, the one who lived uh down the street from me and I was just never any good at it. <laughs> I don't know. Is now a good time to talk about the the controller? Because because that's a, where a lot of my issues with okay. the system come in. Honestly, I was sitting here thinking like, when I should have mentioned the fucking controller earlier on before we got <laughs> in the game. So like, let's just turn into the parking lot, hang out, smoke some Doral one hundreds, and talk about the Nintendo sixty four <laughs> controller. Man, yeah, like I think my all time least favorite controller. I, th- I think I'm pretty sure there's I'm, not one that's below that one. It's uh, kind of an abomination, really. I'm having a hard time um, thinking of it as well. So, like, for me personally, I don't like motion control games. That's just me personally. It's not that I think there's something inherently wrong with them or anything like that. So I never really dug the Wii controller. Um mm-hmm. When it was used for motion controls, but that is a personal preference. It's not something that I see as a flaw of the system or the controller. Yeah, I I can't necessarily think of a worse controller. So like the three pronged design, like when you first get it, you think, oh, I'm supposed to hold on to the the furthest left and the furthest right, right? And hold it like a control, like I'm used to. 
<clears throat> and then having the weird analog joystick in the middle that always fucking wore out. Like I remember getting together with kids to play like four player Mario Kart or four player wrestling games and somebody would always have this real Lucy uh analog joystick in the middle. Like they had just demolished that controller, probably threw it a whole bunch and shit. <laughs> um and it sucks because Problem. they went from one of the best controllers of all time with the Super Nintendo to one of the worst controllers of all time in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it was such a so many bizarre design choices. Mm -hmm. Like they had the four direction buttons. You remember those? The like the yellow buttons, yeah. The yellow buttons, yeah, and like you could you could use those to move. I, I, it was it was very it was very messy. You know, I never was comfortable with those things ever. Yeah, it was. You got used to it. Like if you had a Nintendo sixty four, you played one regularly. You kind of wrestled with your brain in your hands to the point where you got used to it. But it never, like, <clears throat> it's weird. Like to use playing Halo for. Uh, uh, an example like when I'm sitting on the couch playing Halo with you guys with that Xbox controller in my hand it's 100% second nature right like mm -hmm. if I start thinking about what I'm trying to do with my hands I'll start messing up but it's so second nature to me that I can literally just concentrate on whatever I'm playing I don't know that I ever got totally comfortable playing a game on the Nintendo 64 it was always because the layout for the controls was always super different and people used, like you were saying, those yellow buttons in different ways and stuff. It was just kind of a mess. Now... Yeah, I never... I, I, I mean, certain games, I think it worked better for me for mm -hmm. than others, like maybe the racing games or whatever, but uh, I think might have been a little easier to, to control. But uh, I don't know. To me, just a, a massive miss. <clears throat> um. Yeah, a big time miss. Now, one thing I do like about the Nintendo 64 is later in its lifetime, they started doing all the different console variants and they would do like the real, like the clear colored one. So there'd be like a green, uh, like a clear purple one and a clear green one. If I'm ever going to add a Nintendo 64 to the video game collection, it's going to be a jungle green Nintendo 64. I already know the one I want. Um, that sounds really cool. So, um, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Not, um, at the time, I thought it was incredible. To be fair, though, I rented it and beat it and never was like, I want to own that game right so um just renting it and playing it was enough for me in retrospect it is probably it's hard for me to say like i've got a lot of nostalgia for that game and that time period of like star wars history so it's always going to hold sort of i'm always going to have a soft spot for it but it's probably really not that great of a game <laughs> the would you say that it's the spiritual successor to like the super star wars stuff or would you say that it was kind of its own thing um it was kind of its own thing it was more of like a 
like the closest thing if if people haven't played it that I can equate it to is it was a third person shooter right so it was from mm-hmm. behind the character of Dash Rendar you would um squeeze the Z trigger or whatever under the controller to sort of let you aim and you would go through levels now the opening level where you're participating in the battle of Hoth flying around in the snow speed or taking down AT-ATs, probably the highlight of the game. It was really, I was say, like, <laughs> that's definitely the, my most memorable part of that was watching my friend do that part. And I was just like, this is fucking cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> like it's the first, cause star Wars games had attempted that before. This was the first time that like, it really felt like I was, was doing everything that you see in the movie, like with the tow cables and like they threw in other enemies like uh, probe droids and stuff, which I fucking love. So that's probably the highlight. Um, And otherwise I would say like, it's an okay star Wars game, right? Mm -hmm. However, did you happen to see or play the original star Wars rogue squadron on the Nintendo 64? Uh, I saw some friends play it, and that game was pretty cool. That game, that is probably um, one of, if not the best, um, Star Wars games on the system. It's incredible. Um, didn't they? Didn't they bring that out for the GameCube as well? Mm-hmm. It's a franchise that continued on to the GameCube with its next two entries. Cool, cool. Okay. Um, now, I definitely played something on the GameCube, but I, I remember just watching the one on N64 and thinking yeah. it was cool. Now, the other one, I, to me, uh, thank you for allowing me this brief Star Wars games uh, uh, sidebar, Steve, by the way. <clears throat> to me, Rogue Squadron is in close competition with another game, another Star Wars game on the Nintendo 64 is potentially being the best Star Wars game on the system and that is surprisingly star wars episode one racer the pod racing game great fucking great better than it had any right to be um a really good game and definitely the best tie-in game for episode one because the other ones were pretty shitty (laughs) (laughs) i definitely played that one and i thought it was okay um I, I wanted I, I wanted more F Zero type stuff yeah. from a racing game back then. I got um, that. I thought it was it was a pretty good game though. Like you know, as, as, like you said, as far as tie-ins go, um, it felt like it did a good job of kind of representing Star Wars without need to do too much to do that. You know what I mean? Like it, it just stuck to being a racing game, which was cool. Um, now, sort of associate like I. Hopefully, people will see the connection to when I come when I bring this up. Another game that I think is really good that I was so excited for Star Fox Star Fox sixty four. Mm. Did you ever play that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. I remember liking it. It is really, really good, and it's it's weird. Like you know, Star Fox started on the Super Nintendo. They had a sequel pretty much complete that they never released until recently um yeah fairly recent 
Yeah, that they never released. Wasn't it on the, the was it on the mini mm-hmm. Super it, Nintendo? That's where they released it for the first time. I, I believe that is the first official release, and then it's now it's part of like the Switch Online thing for the Super Nintendo. I'm pretty sure. Um, right. But yeah, that was um, such a cool game, and it's kind of just a remake of the original Star Fox in a lot of ways, um, and that um, introduced. Rumble pack, right? That's right, buddy. The rumble (laughs) pack. So I was friends with this kid at school, right? And he comes in one day and he's like, Halls, I have to show you something. And I was like, Oh shit, what's he gonna does this did this kid bring one of his dad's porno mags to school? (laughs) I'm about to see a boob. And he opens up his backpack and sitting in there is a VHS tape that says Star Fox sixty four on it. And and like it's it looks almost like box art and i'm like what is this he's like i got this in the mail i think he got it because he was a nintendo power subscriber Mm -hmm. and basically what it was was a long ass commercial for star fox 64 on vhs he let me take it home and i watched it and it's talking about the rumble pack and it's showing off star fox 64 an instant obsession with this game was born (laughs) i was like holy shit i need this game and yeah that's that's sort of what i think most people would associate with this game is the introduction of the rumble pack Mm -hmm. yep that's certainly what what i think of and i i thought it was very cool and playstation would would rip that off with the dual shock you know they started producing that i feel like after the yeah after that came out look you can't you have to uh, acknowledge right that a lot of times, Nintendo does something and then everybody else kind of copies them, like with the Rumble Pack. And then later with motion controls, like the Wii came out and both PlayStation and Xbox were like, oh, we should try something like that. Yeah. Microsoft was like, what if we have what if we have a thing that just stares at you the entire time? Yeah, and, and just see, <laughs> yeah, you've just got a... A, a voiceless robot sitting on top of your TV just staring at you. And then some days, like, you're going to try and talk to it and be like, hey, Xbox. Hey, Xbox, pull up babysitter porn. Hey, Xbox. Hey, hey, Xbox. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, not their finest idea there, but no. Um, back to the Nintendo. Um, I do remember liking star fox like and i liked that on the super nintendo like Mm -hmm. i thought it was a kick-ass game then um and the the 64 to me just felt like they took a lot of those games and just amped them up um yeah yeah that's that's kind of what they did with that it just felt better on that system That, that the controller actually worked pretty good for that game I feel like, you know, it maybe did. maybe it was still a little awkward because I think you had to use the yellow buttons to maybe do something, move up and down, you know, because you would target with the, I don't know, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly how it went either, but <laughs> I spent a lot, because, and remember, there were also uh, multiple paths you could take mm-hmm. and, and the story would change and like, like, so there were these specific levels that were like, you versus another pilot, like these sort of one-on-one dogfight levels that I ate up. And mm. I also played a fair amount of uh, multiplayer in Star Fox with friends. 
Like, mm-hmm. because the one of the cool things about the Nintendo 64 is it came with four controller ports on it. So, you know, in the past, if you had that many friends to play something, you would have to have a, like a special adapter, a multi-tap or whatever the fuck they call it, mm-hmm. right? And that just came baked in to the Nintendo 64. And uh, it, it, as a four people sitting in the same room um, system, playing the same game with each other system, the Nintendo 64 sort of excels at that, I think. I think that's its strongest. That's absolutely its strongest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. strength his strongest strength yeah his biggest strength <laughs> like i i have more fun and funny memories of being in a room with probably four dudes four dudes around my same age playing games on the nintendo 64 and one that i think we can't there's there's big ones we haven't hit but one of those is golden eye right Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god i mean this that game that was one of those games that i feel like wasn't they didn't think that it was going to be as big as it was right like that game kind of mm-hmm. became a cultural phenomenon right like and, people still reference that game to this day and i feel like it was more because of the multiplayer of you and four dudes splitting up a 27 inch tv into little squares <laughs> going after staring each at other. your little corner yeah yeah and being like don't look at my screen don't you look at my screen you know what i mean i'd be like don't worry man i'm not looking at your screen i'm too busy trying to figure out how to move my guy in this yeah. tiny little square with this awful controller yep yep that was me too man um i think golden eye is a critical important step towards perfecting the console first person shooter but I think if okay, you, time. I think if you go back to it and play it today, you'll be like, "No, thank you." That is my opinion yeah, on Goldeneye. I had a lot of fun at the time. I do not think going back and playing it now would be as fun. Yeah, no. I remember we got in college. We really got into beating the campaign mm-hmm. on the hardest difficulty mm-hmm. because you know I, that was another thing I loved about that game is if you played it on the hardest difficulty it gave you extra objectives you had to complete yep and uh and i loved that shit it made it feel way more spy type to me and and my friends got into it as well we actually beat it we we got through that it took all of us like doing levels here and there but we beat the whole thing on super whatever it was it wasn't called hardcore back then probably just hardest or something but now um fun memory a game that I feel almost the exact opposite about, meaning you can pick up this game today and play with friends and it will still be a good time. And that is Mario Kart 64. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I, a, another game I loved on super Nintendo Yeah, and it, it just got taken to the next level on the Nintendo 64. Again, this was a game the controller actually worked okay with. Mm-hmm. Worked honestly um, great with. Yeah, this like there are certain games where the controller was not like a hindrance, and this this was one of them, and that could have been a reason why I loved it so much. But good God, it's weird because most people when they play that game right competitively with their friends, they're going to do the races, right? No, I do That's the like, battles. 
we did the battles. We yeah, did the college. battles. That's all we ever did. And yes. we, we only ever did one level. And it was the, the first beginner level, the wide open one. It was called the Big Donut. I'll never forget it. We always just did battle mode on that level. And oh. it was it would be anarchy and chaos in yep. the house. Screaming. Yep laughing crying yelling i mean this would happen for hours and like hours it hours was so fun hours and hours <laughs> of yeah. just you and however many other people maybe a full team of four or a whole set of four trying to pop those fucking balloons on each other <laughs> yep. like oh and so like i'm glad it w- that's you because i feel like almost everybody that i ever encounter is like, oh, we used to race in Mario Kart a lot. And I'm like, did y'all play the battle mode? Nah. So, yeah, I, I was a big battle mode guy myself. Um, yeah, all my friends, like Brad, for example, and his buddies, like, they just did the races. Who? And he was, like, excellent at that stuff. Like, he got really good at power sliding. Yep. And um, <laughs> that was another thing. Just people back then, you know, you you could be good at a game like that and you'd be you'd be talking to somebody at a party or whatever oh yeah I'm, i love mario kart i'm good at mario kart though i'm really good and they'd be like oh i know this dude who's really good at mario kart you guys should play each other and then at some point you fucking have the match yep. you know get together and have the the, the go off it's but, pretty fun buddy i do you remember um one night we went i came to your apartment we hung out we probably played rock band then we went upstairs to go to Brad's apartment for poker night, but we went a little early and Brad was sitting there playing Mario Kart 64 on a 64. Right. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, can I get in on that thinking? Oh, I'm going to beat Brad. And it was a race and it was the big donut and Brad lapped me, bro. Like <laughs> he was on me like stink on shit. <laughs> totally. Got Brad's uh he's sneaky good at certain video games like mm-hmm. he, he and i played nba jam uh at his place on his old i want to say it was his sega genesis and uh-huh. i'm not used now to be fair i'm not used to playing it on the sega genesis but that's not really an excuse but he he kicked the shit out of me on that too <laughs> you know guy yeah. who never really claims to to be into video games but he sure is good at a couple of them so um let me ask you something. Who was your Mario Kart? Because everybody had their character, right? Like that was yeah, the, Toad. Toad uh, was my dude. I was a Yoshi guy. I was a Yoshi guy. Nowadays, in like Mario Kart on on Switch, I'm Tanuki Mario, but uh, <laughs> that's only because Monty Mole isn't an option, at least as far as right. I know. Uh, yeah, I like Toad, but lately um, I've I've been feeling Waluigi mm-hmm, more when mm-hmm. I play because I like his his personality. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, probably Waluigi main these days, but back in the day, definitely a Toad main. Um, also have to give them credit for the launch of another one of my favorite party games, and that's Mario Party. The first three entries of that series Ooh. came out on the Nintendo 64. Uh, nice. I didn't realize that. that mm-hmm. My first experience with that was on the GameCube, and I loved it. Yeah. So, for people that don't know, Mario Party is kind of like a mario board game that you play against your friends and there's occasionally many games that you compete in and the the whole goal is to be the one with the most stars at the end it is so much fun i'm pretty i'm pretty good at mario party so (laughs) yeah it's a it's a really cool uh idea so it's like a giant board game and you you roll dice Mm -hmm. right you know get random numbers you move around the board 
and once everybody's taken a turn every everybody's do, does a mini game and it could be like everybody for themselves or two versus two or three versus one something like that and then whoever wins gets coins and then once you get to the certain spot of the board where you can buy a star you use your coins to buy the star right and uh yeah uh it can get pretty competitive it can especially with monty mole in the mix he's like a, he's a loose cannon that monty mole um <laughs> Another thing that was kind of interesting about the Nintendo 64, and I, I wonder, like, I I don't want to sit here and compare the dates of all these games, but I wonder if sort of the success of GoldenEye led to this, but you started seeing a lot more uh, first-person shooters on a Nintendo console. So, like, you would get ports of Quake 2. There was a Doom 64 that it's its, its own unique Doom game. I think... They put like a heavily censored version of, uh, what's his fucking name? I'm here to eat ass. Duke, Nukem. You, Duke Gun, yeah, Duke Nukem game. <laughs> thank you for I'm here to eat ass, buddy. Buddy, thank you for pulling the parachute so I didn't continue with that terrible <laughs> impression. You really saved me, hey. buddy. You, Steve, took a bullet for me. Hey, was um. Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, first person? Yes. I believe it was. Yes, Turok and, that and was Turok. Supposed to be like a, that was supposed to be a launch title, so I don't think that was that was like necessarily jumping yep. on GoldenEye's success. But uh, Turok, I, I wasn't like super crazy about My friend had it, and we yeah. played a good, a good bit of it, and I just kind of was meh on the whole thing. I kind of was too. That's why like, I, it was a rental for me, thankfully. Um. And I got it home and played it all weekend, but never had the desire to ever play it again. And that's why when they brought out like those Turok remasters a couple of years ago and people were all fucking stoked, I was like, really? All right. I mean, cool, man. It's cool that you like Turok, but I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, yeah maybe me too. Um, um, also in the competitive atmosphere in, in 64, we have to, we have to at least mention the wrestling games. Yes. Um, they had some really, in my mind, probably the best wrestling games that that I played. You know, at least the ones that I've had the most fun with. Uh, the WCW versus NWO World Tour, I think was what it was called, man. I don't know that I've had... Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know that I've had the same experience with that genre of game since. Like, I'm sitting here thinking and trying to come up with something, and... I've enjoyed wrestling games since then, but I think this was maybe my favorite era because once again, four people, right? Like I was in the Boy Scouts yep. and once a year we would have a camp out in the winter, right? Like, cause once a month in the Boy Scouts, you go on a camp out. So for the weekend you go out in the woods and fucking act like Lord of the Flies and shit. It's, it's pandemonium. And once a year, we would have one in the Boy Scout, like, they called it the Boy Scout hut, but it was, like, the building where we met, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we would have a camp out in there, which just meant everybody brought their Nintendo 64s and controllers, and we all just sat around, and there would be different stations set up, and you would just go around and play different games. Maybe it would be Bomberman 64. Maybe it would be Killer Instinct. Maybe it would be, was yeah, Killer Instinct was on the Nintendo sixty four, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Killer Instinct two. Okay. Okay. Um, Not the original. Uh, maybe it would be you know Wayne Gretzky's hockey, which was fucking awful. But like, inevitably there would be a couple of kids playing the the ra- the wrestling games, and you would just rotate in and out, set up special events. People would be going bananas. You would have thought they were at WrestleMania. These fucking degenerate kids freaking out. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun, man. I remember those games had kind of like a Royal Rumble mode where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you would all start out in the ring together and then people would start coming in. And eventually the ring was just like full of people. And if you got eliminated, I think you just took control of the next person who came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just kind of kept kept playing and we'd be yelling and screaming, man, God. Um, I really miss those days of uh, always having living with people who were down to play games like that all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that uh, didn't. So we talked about how well Mario transitioned into 3D, right? Something that did not transition well was one of my favorite franchises previously, and that was Castlevania. They put out two 3D Castlevania games, and they are dog shit doo-doo feces they are awful <laughs> man and so bummed because i was like they fucking pulled it off with mario they pulled it off with zelda there's no way they're gonna fuck up castlevania and they did and it's awful um sony had to come in and redeem it yeah, and make the much better game, which I remember kids making fun. Do you remember ki- people making fun of Symphony of the Night before it came out and being like, it looks like an old game? Yeah. Do you remember that? I do, actually. I don't remember like like it being a big narrative, but I do remember hearing like some kids being like, oh, man, that game looks stupid or whatever. You know, like I don't want to play that. Yeah. Because we're talking about like what? That was 97? Probably. Not to go off on a tangent. Maybe yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to talk about what is my favorite game on the system, and that is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Like, cool. Yeah. The same thing that you can be said about Mario 64 can be said about this game, where it transitioned perfectly into 3D. And it's that is a tough call given how good the Super Nintendo game is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. And I never got to play the, the... This is one of my greatest regrets, is that I never got to play any of the Zelda stuff on 64. Oh. Never watched anybody play it. Never oh. played it. It's so good, so. buddy. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, I rented it first. Um, I ended up getting it for Christmas that year in 1998. But I was too impatient. You know what I mean? So I got to rent it... like my. I used my uncle powers. He held the copy of it on the day it came out and I went up after school and got it and just stayed up all night, buddy playing. Can we, can we, can we, can we just real quick throw out a shout out to the, the ride home from the game store when you, uh, when you got a brand new manual (laughs) looking through the manual. Oh my God. I would read the the back of the box at least fifteen times before I opened oh. it to get the manual out. Oh. <laughs> and looking at all the pictures, looking real close, trying mm-hmm. to see what you know. Looking at the front, looking at the back, and unwrapping it, pulling yeah. out the fucking manual. Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh! <laughs> um, getting home, 
popping that bad boy in, closing the door to your room. And as the kids say, it's motherfucking goblin time. Like I'm going feral in here. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So that was, those are great memories as a kid was the ride home from, from getting a new game and you're not driving your mom's driving uh, or your dad's driving. Whatever. Oh, you know what? Another, <sighs> so you, you want to know what one, um, bummer like obviously this is the slightest bummer but it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about where christmas morning you unwrap ocarina of time and you're like oh hell yeah baby but Mm -hmm. then you got to do the rest of christmas stuff all the day so you got to go over and see (laughs) the family and hang out and like you're just like i want to go home and play ocarina of time y'all yeah (laughs) merry christmas happy new year we love you peace out that's a tough one that's why i was glad that when we lived in florida for most of my life all my family was in new jersey and we would go to see them during the summer so Ah. when christmas came around i had to like you know do this the immediate family stuff we'd open our gifts or whatever and then my dad would just be happy he could go back to sleep since we got his ass up at 5 30 a.m or whatever it was (laughs) crack a dawn crack ass (laughs) a dawn and then uh we just go outside and uh you know meet the other kids around the neighborhood and show off our shit that was the best part of christmas showing Ooh. off the loop that's what <laughs> i got motherfucker <laughs> yep and then then my parents would know that aaron and david across the street would be over in a minute to, to play the new games with me <laughs> so oh man good times but i didn't mean to derail you about no. uh, zelda um I mean, tell, I, talk about that a little bit. I don't know what else to say than other than it's it's so good. Zelda Ocarina of Time is so good. It's got the mechanic where you play your different tunes on your ocarina like you're in Jethro oh. Tull or some shit. And they have magic <laughs> powers. And you can like change time and shit with your Je- your Je- Jethro Tull jams. You know what I mean? See, I get real excited about Ocarina of Time. I really like that game. Yep. <laughs> Jethro Tull. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Sitting on a park bench. That's <laughs> Jethro Tull, right? Did I, oh, did I just pull that's, a nick and get that wrong? That's Iron Butterfly, I think. Oh. <laughs> um, but Fuck they, me, they sound similar. I can totally see it. Jethro Tull. I can't remember their is Iron Aqualung is is maybe their their big one. I but the you. guy sounds similar, so I can totally see it. Uh, <laughs> you want to know something that really bums me out about the Nintendo sixty four? Um, so what was it last year that they released the final of the rebuild of Evangelion movies, right? The fourth one released it over here where we could watch it at least. And I was like, I got balls deep back in Evangelion where I rewatched the whole series, then watched the movies and had like this crazy experience, like really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, there's gotta be a way I could play some sort of Evangelion um, video game, right? And I'm, you know, I see that it's included in some of the Robot Wars games. I'm still sort of like, do I take that step? That seems like a, I don't know about that series, right? And come to find out, there's one that is apparently pretty well regarded that was released on the Nintendo 64, but only in Japan. Mm, of course. Um, so that's a bit of a bummer. Now, yeah, that's. Uh, hey. Hey, you were correct. You're right. What? Sitting on a park bench. That is Jethro Tull. Ah, That's Aqualung. Look just so that. you just just to, just to pull the crazy. You you thought you were insane, but you're not. You're correct. Yeah, man. I was wrong. Okay. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. 
Yeah, man. You really took that weight off my shoulders. Um, we got some weird <laughs> ports that I wouldn't have normally expected on there. There was a port of StarCraft on the Nintendo 64 that... God, I don't remember that at all. I played it once, like a friend of mine had it, and I was like, sorry, bro, I'm going to go play this on my gateway. <laughs> or whatever the fuck my family had. Mm-hmm. Um, Resident Evil 2 was on the Nintendo 64 and was a halfway decent port. Like, it was not, you know, if if you didn't have a PlayStation but you wanted to play Resident Evil 2, you could play a, a respectable version of that game. Okay. Um, you know what was not on the Nintendo 64, which really um, lowered its standing with me, was RPGs. The list of RPGs yeah. on the Nintendo 64 is... And non-existent square yeah and it's a shame yeah. yeah you were you came over to the nintendo 64 probably thinking you were going to get some since I've, they were on the Nin- super nintendo you know buddy and then i remember reading in a game magazine about final fantasy 7 and playstation had bought out this huge two two page ad that was just this incredible artwork of midgar and it was like mm-hmm. final fantasy 7 is such a giant game that it takes three cds or whatever that's the equivalent to something like 700 cartridges or something like they put some insane number right and just Mm -hmm. being like are you fucking kidding me i can't play this game oh my god um and then as a nintendo 64 owner and fan at the time i was always holding out for one specific game that was like the light at the end of the tunnel this game's gonna come out I'll finally have an RPG and all will be right with the world. And that was Quest 64. Do you remember? Mm. I remember hearing about Quest 64, but I've never seen it. (laughs) Not only is it an awful game, not only is it not a good RPG, not only does it look ugly, it's one of the worst games of all time. I am glad I didn't buy it. (laughs) Like, because at the time, like I told you, I was... um, reading game websites by that time and i saw reviews and i was like no way am i spending my limited money on that no way (laughs) yeah and it was limited back then they Uh, now rare was probably their their best developer they had back then right because you you got mm -hmm. we got some good rare stuff on the n64 like right. the Conquer stuff. Conquer. There was Banjo Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie. Yep. Wasn't there? Didn't they do was there Golden more Donkey Eye? Kong? They did Golden they did, Eye. They, they did Golden Eye. They did Killer Instinct Two. Did yeah. Perfect Dark. Yeah. Rare was in. <clears throat> excuse the pun. Rare form in this yeah. time. Um, yeah. This was when they were at their best. Yeah. I mean, there. Yeah. And they did a. Donkey Kong 64 Rare did. They they put out some really good stuff on the N- Nintendo 64. That's why I say when like if you were going to get a Nintendo 64 today and get every game that you thought was really good or that you wanted, there's a big chunk of those that are going to be Rare games. And right, that's what I'm saying. If you were to just take the N64 with the first party Nintendo games, mm-hmm. like or the big ones like Mario, Zelda, um Mario Kart, all that stuff. And then the rare stuff, you don't even have to worry about any other games. Yeah. N64, really. No. You've no. got enough. Yeah. And 
the rest, it, like the amount of racing games on this mm-hmm. system. Like, I think I've read that there were 393 titles released, which is a pretty fucking small library. Um, mm-hmm. And there is some insane percentage of that that is just racing games. Um, they did not get a lot of third third party support. Nintendo didn't on this because of their um, uh, the cartridge the cartridges. Yeah, the decision to go with cartridges, and then they had uh, well, besides uh, the first party stuff that Nintendo did for the 64 is all pretty solid. Like I'm looking through this list trying to see if there's one that's bad and I'm not necessarily seeing one. Superman 64 is fucking awful. One of the worst games (laughs) like the 64 is weird because you do have some like all time greats on there. Mario 64, Mm -hmm, Ocarina of time, so on and so forth. And then you have some of the worst games of all time, like Superman 64 quest 64, Um, it's a, I don't even think you can say it's a mixed bag. Like I think on the, the scales of doo-doo to good stuff, it's, it's mostly doo-doo. Yeah, man. I I mean, I lived in a, an apartment in college where we had all the systems represented at that time. And I just remember that it was between the Sega Saturn and the Sony PlayStation, the Nintendo 64 was far behind both of those yeah yep you know like far behind yeah and i, I mean, never it, it was knew un- anybody that had a saturn uh, yeah I, I mean the games on saturn were awesome but it yeah. was definitely more of a niche a niche system yeah sony was was killing the game back then <clears throat> the saturn is one of those systems that i rented and loved it when i rented it because i rented it with um uh, Panzer Dragoon, and I was like, this shit is incredible. Uh, never yeah, owned one, game. though. So, of this console generation, we're, we've kind of covered the two I can speak at the most. Um, maybe if you want to lead a Saturn episode, Steve, we could do that sometimes. I'd have to do a little research, but I think yeah. I, we could do one. Yeah. Um, so, that's it. That's it on the... Uh, I, know, I know for a fact I've missed some big games. Oh, I mean... I so I didn't play much of it. I don't believe you did either because by the time it came out, I was sort of out of playing 64 as much. Uh Smash Brothers debuted on the 64. You got to give that ah, credit. Yeah. That's a huge franchise. Huge franchise. Sure. And I do remember kids being obsessed with it and like my buddy Will Will is like Brad, Blue Harvest Will? Yes, Blue Harvest Will is the equivalent of Brad on Mario Kart 64 when it comes to uh, Smash Brothers on the 64. He annihilates folks <laughs> without breaking a sweat. That's fantastic. Uh, so that does it, buddy. That does it for talking about the 64 and uh, does it for our 52nd episode. Hey, you know, um, talking about it, we did have a lot of good things to say about it. I'll say that. Um, it's It's definitely my least favorite console probably of my memory mm-hmm. uh but you know there was things to love about it too I, i'm not going to take anything away from yeah and the greatness of, of some of those games that they achieved just like God, you if I they mean, had a controller a different controller dude this and, this system probably CD. goes from yeah it's we'll see well 
let's just say they get, they have a real controller. Mm-hmm. I think it takes the system from a C minus to a B plus to me, maybe. I could see that. You know, I could see that. But if it, yeah, if it would be bad CDs too. CDs nice. would have gone oh, a real long way, and then you might not have seen these big partners like Square and shit stop in like the partnership with them. Um, yeah, it was crazy that like I don't know what was it. 20 plus years after the release of Final Fantasy 7, they put Final Fantasy 7 out on the Switch. You know, it's so funny that, like, <laughs> at the time, it was like, ha ha, Nintendo, we got Final Fantasy. You know, it was like such a big thing at the time that it was on Sony and not Nintendo. And now you can buy Final Fantasy 7 on your fucking phone. Like, yep. it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no more exclusivity for that. No. Nah. So, guys, um, listen. Follow Steve on Twitter at Stone Cobra. Follow me at Blue Harvest Pod. Follow the podcast at High Potion Pod. Send us in emails. Let us know your memories of the Nintendo 64 games that we left out, because I'm sure there's something. Um, Blue Heart High Potion Pod at gmail.com. Um, leave us a review on iTunes, please. Please, can you do that for us, please? It helps us out. And uh, every 20 reviews, we give away a gift card. So get to it. And uh, I think that's it, buddy. Here's to another year. Yeah, man. Happy anniversary, dude. It's been a a good run. Let's keep it going. Yep. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Ah!